welcome to another episode of the Behind the Mark podcast with your host, Mark Myers, the sports talk show where we talk about Georgia high school athletics, college sports, and the day's hot topics regarding sports. Today, I have a special guest on my show, Coach Naval McKenzie, running back coach at the University of Louisville. How you doing today, Coach? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. You know, I, I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast today. Um, most people don't know our relationship, but me and Naval, we go way back, pretty much grew up together. Um, we went, to, we was high school teammates, coached uh, for a year in, in high school at, at Hiram. And, uh, you know, I, I had the privilege of being at his wedding and, you know, just knowing Naval since basically since we were pretty much teenagers and we've built a friendship from there. And, um, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to talk too much about your, your journey through coaching. I kind of want you to go through that for the people and the listeners. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and just tell people, you know, a little bit about your journey, you know, going from coaching high school football all the way to college or whatever. Yes. And uh, I want to first off by saying it's an honor to be on the show today. Uh, like, like you mentioned, uh, we've been friends since we were teenagers and, and that, that means a lot to me. And, uh, just to start off, I want to first thank God. Because without him, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today. And, and the biggest thing is he blessed, he blessed me with parents that pushed me, uh, friends that encouraged me, and then a wife that now supports me. So, you know, he's been a, a huge uh, blessing in my life. And, you know, the journey started out for me. Uh, my first dream was actually deferred. And uh, kind of like yourself, Mark, and me, you know, we all had dreams of uh, making it to the NFL. So, when that didn't work out, you know, I had to go to my second dream and I had to uh, start focusing on a career. And uh, my first my first uh, transition to my career was a um, humbling experience for me uh, for the simple fact that uh, I, I contacted over 30-something schools for a graduate assistant spot, okay? So my, my, my dream was to be a college coach and uh, I contacted all these schools and there was no, no true feedback for me. Um, so then I was afforded an opportunity, uh, like yourself, Mark, to, to work at Hiram High School. And uh, Andy Dorsey was able to hire me and uh, actually play for his dad, uh, Jimmy Dorsey. I'm a teacher in high school and uh, f- with uh, Andy for that one year. So, you know, that's when it really dawned on me that uh, relationships are important. And it dawned on me that uh, it, it's very important to to not burn any bridges, but also to um, continue to nurture those relationships that you have, that people who come across you or the path that you may come across. So with that, I started uh, my high school journey uh, to, to to start my career uh, there at Hiram High School and, and actually did that for two years and it was really good. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, I had aspirations of being a college coach. So, you know, while at Hiram, I continued to reach out to some colleges and I knew uh, that my alma mater, Vanderbilt University, um, was going to have a spot open in two years. Uh, that current offensive GA was the uh, offensive coordinator's son, uh, Ted Kane's son, so it was Matt Kane, and I had to kind of wait my turn um, and uh, I was patient throughout that process. And, you know, once those two years was up uh, at Hiram and, and he moved on to uh, the coach at Presbyterian College, then uh, Coach uh, Bobby Johnson and uh, Ted Kane they reached out to me and uh, asked me if I wanted to be a graduate assistant there at Vanderbilt University. And, of course, uh, I said yes. And that was the first uh, transition from 
high school to college for me to go ahead and jumpstart my career. Okay. Well, you know, now, you know, you're at the, the University of Louisville, for most people don't know, and, you know, just kind of tell, tell a little bit just about, you know, your stops in between, you know, the GA position and where you are now. Yeah, so... Like I mentioned earlier, you know, my first job, uh, my first coaching gig was uh, Hiram High School. Then that was back in 2006, 2007 season. And then uh, I, I left there and went to Vanderbilt and uh, coached there as a graduate assistant working with the wide receivers uh, the 2008 and 2009 season. And then I gra- received my master's at Vanderbilt and wasn't able to um, get a college gig. So, you know, Bobby Johnson had kind of built a, a position for me on this on that staff and uh, named me the assistant recruiting coordinator which was one of those things that I loved uh, due to like I mentioned earlier the relationships and you know I had done a, a decent job of recruiting and I actually signed a couple guys uh, while being a graduate assistant so created that position for me uh, was blessed to have that position but uh, ultimately I wanted to be on the field where that role had me more um, behind the desk uh, but I took advantage of that opportunity and uh, that was the 2010 season. And then, you know, their staff had kind of got let go of whatever. Bobby Johnson was, uh, went into retirement, and the staff had got let go. And, you know, the defensive coordinator at the time was a, a gentleman by the name of Bruce Fowler. He ended up taking the head job at Furman University there in Greenville, South Carolina. So uh, during that transition, James Franklin came in to Vanderbilt, and a lot of people know who he is. And, he actually uh, rehired me in the same role I had at Vanderbilt. So I worked with him for about three, three and a half months. And then uh, Bruce Fowler called me and um, offered me the recruiting coordinator and running back job at Furman. So there I was at uh, Furman University for five years, uh, served as the recruiting coordinator, running back coach. And then in my final season there, I served as the special teams coordinator um, before transitioning to Arkansas State University there in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Um, I was there for three years, uh, served as the running back coach there as well as special teams coordinator in my final year. And then this past season, um, got hired and, and served as the running back coach at the University of Louisville. So that's kind of my journey uh, in a nutshell, going from high school into where I am today. Hey, man, you know, uh, you, you, I think you have uh, quite a re- remarkable story and a journey and it kind of showed people that, uh, you know, for, for most guys who first get into college, you know, you know, there's this there's somewhat sort of a, of a, of a journey um, going from uh, high school to college, and a smaller school to a bigger school that, uh, you know, that, you know, this doesn't always happen right away for most people. But you're one of the people who you stuck with it. Uh, and, you know, I'm pretty sure you had some some ups and downs, but you persevered through it. And uh, like you said, relationships matter. You know, speaking of, of, of high school coaching, you know, uh, my next, it, it leads me into my next question. You know, when I first got in, in, into uh, coaching, I came in with the mentality that since I was a successful player in college, then I knew everything. And that was kind of my mindset. What I quickly learned that uh, there was so much more uh, I, I had to learn. I really didn't know a thing. You know, I quickly went from basically being the player to, uh, which is the student, to now, you know, being the teacher. And there was obviously a learning curve. Uh, do you feel like 
there was a huge learning curve for you going from the high school coaching uh, game to the college coaching game. And what are some things you had to learn? Um, I think the learning curve from high school to college, I think it was minimal in a sense of um, ball is ball. Uh, and, and, you know, you got 11 versus 11, but kind of to what you're saying, you, you know, you think you you know a lot. And then I think the biggest thing from the high school to college level was the resources, number one, in terms of the film breakdown. And then I think the second thing is just the greater amount of detail that it is. So, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, like when, we're, when we were um, at the high school level and we're playing an opponent, and we're talking about, you know, they run a, a 4-2 defense or whatnot. And um, you say that at the, at the college level where it's going to be a little bit more detailed in terms of that 4-2 defense, you know, if, it, if it's over, if it's under, you know, if the, if the linebackers are in the 20-backer or they're a 30-backer or they're a 50-backer, the same apex, uh, you know, how are the safeties uh, fitting in certain schemes and formations. So I think the detail um, from the, the high school and college was a, was a lot greater, but I also think that's due to the resources and the amount of time um, that you invest in football. Uh, in, in college, as you guys know, you know, majority of your day is, is, is film or, or watching uh, or tape, where at the high school level, and Mark, you know this, I, I mean, I was at Hiram High School, I was teaching three preps. The only time I got to the, the actual film was in the evenings or at night, but then I'm also having to do lesson planning, so you know, I, I can't I can't sit here and say that I was entrenched in the film, so to speak, uh, when I was at the high school level due to my other obligations I had, you know, just being a high school teacher um, as an assistant coach at the high school level. So, you know, I think that uh, the college level afforded me to get a different perspective on the game, but more so just from the detail-oriented ori- uh, aspect of it on a daily basis. Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, you guys definitely, you know, you, you got way more time at the college level to do those things at the high school level you know we like I said we're, we're teachers first <laughs> and uh you gotta mm-hmm. keep your teaching job <laughs> first uh, absolutely you know uh as a high school head coach most coaches will tell you that the biggest challenge today that we have are parents uh you have to try to find a way to convince parents that you have their child's best interest uh, every parent feels that their child should be playing more or should be getting a scholarship. Uh, they see them through, you know, what we call love, you know, love glasses. And that's the only way most of these parents see them. Uh, for you, what has been the biggest challenge uh, in, in the coaching profession, in the college coaching profession? Uh, man, I would say the biggest challenge in the college coaching profession and uh, to answer that question, I'm, I'm going to come back to that question. To, to go back to your last comment, you know, that's the one thing I can definitely tell you from a high school to college situation. We, I'm really never dealing with parents. You know, uh, I get a guy, and they're 18, 19, 20, 21, they become a young adult. Uh, we create a family environment or atmosphere where the guys know where they are on the depth chart and things of that nature. And uh, like you said, little Johnny already has his scholarship. Now what's he going to do with that scholarship? once he reaches us but to answer your next question the biggest challenge for um for a lot of us in the in the college football ranks and i think it's probably similar in high school is man just the the balance between work and home um that that's some of the hardest things you know to uh to to be a good dad to be a good husband um to have that family as well as 
put in the hours and, and work your tail off um, on, on the collegiate level. Now, for me, um, my two bosses, uh, Blake Anderson at Arkansas State and also Scott Satterfield here at the University of Louisville, uh, are family first guys. And, you know, a lot of people say it, um, and, it and it comes off as cliche, but we actually live it here and we lived it there in Jonesboro, which I found was very awesome for us to be able to to live it for us to be able to um, put in the time but coaches say hey man you need to get out of here and go see your families or go to your little boy game or whatnot and actually be able to still win on Saturdays um, a lot of people feel like you can't have that balance in order to be successful so you know I think that's one of the biggest challenges um, the, the other thing I would say is a huge challenge man is just recruiting um, if, if you think about it uh, you know really I have 150 girlfriends right now uh, in terms of uh, <laughs> yeah. recruiting, it's, it's just being honest, man. And the thing about it is, you know, you always got to be thinking ahead. You gotta, you gotta try to be ahead of the curve. You gotta think outside the box. Um, you always at the disposal of your cell phone, um, which is crazy. You know, I, I'll get a call at one o'clock in the morning from a kid, and you know, my wife's like, "Who is that?" And I'm like, oh, "That's such and such from such and such." You know, so it's crazy, but. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But the thing that's funny about it is if you don't answer it, then guess what? You put yourself at a disadvantage because he may call the next coach and he answers. So, you man, you're always on call. Um, and uh, I think for me, those two things are the, the most challenging things right now, which are almost outside of football. If you think about it, it, it has nothing to do with really X's and O's. It just has a lot to do with uh, your family and, and making sure they know that they're important to you. And then also recruiting because, that's the lifeline of any program. Yeah, I definitely, definitely, you know, uh, can see that and um, and see how how that could definitely be uh, a big challenge. And you know, uh, you know, definitely, you know, the, the the family time is very important. And uh, you know, one of the things that that I think a lot of coaches who I've talked with is kind of finding that family time. So it's good to be under a guy who actually says it, but you know, but actually, you know, kind of follows it through. So that that's great yes, for you to be in that situation. You know, going on to my next question, uh, there are there are a lot of coaches out there that that want to uh, make the jump from high school to college. For me, I got to a point to where I just felt that the high school game was was more for me. Did, yeah, sure. Like some a lot of coaches, there was a time where I wanted to make that jump. But then I just got to a point where I felt like the high school game was just more for me. Uh, I felt the type of impact that I wanted to have on our young athletes, I could do better at the high school level. And where I am financially, I really can't afford to go to a Division II or Division I FCS program and take the pay cut. Uh, Most high school coaches, you know, we make more than, than those assistants at that level. So, for me, unless I mysteriously somehow got a shot at a Power 5 program or a well-established mid-major, it would be a huge financial sacrifice for me and my family. You know, with that being said, you know, what advice could you give a young coach or even an older coach out there looking to make the jump from high school to college? What advice would you give them? Uh, Matt, you know, a couple things that I would say. Um, the, the first thing is you got to trust the process. And, and that's something that, you know, we got to tell ourselves. That's something that we tell our kids all the time, that you got to trust the process. And what that process looks like may be different for me than it is for the next person. But you just got to trust it. If you, if you got a vision and you got a goal, 
and you're trying to attain it, then it's gonna it's gonna come down to some of the things that you mentioned in terms of sacrifice. And, I, and I'll touch on that here in a second. Uh, I think the next thing is about relationships. Um, you've heard me say that uh, ample amount of time so far, and, and I truly believe that um, a lot of people at the collegiate level are, are where they are due to relationships. I was able to get a graduate assistant job due to my relationship with the, uh, the coaches at Vanderbilt. I was able to get my first college job due to my relationship that I had uh, and, and working uh, for those guys as a graduate assistant. So I would think relationships are huge when it's, when it's time to make that jump. Now, some people say, well, I may not have that relationship. And, and as I mentioned earlier, I didn't have that relationship when I first got out of college. You know, I, I wrote and called 30 schools and, and none of them really replied to me and I had to go down to the high school level, which goes back to the next point. I just had to trust the process. Um, so, uh, you know, when it comes to relationships, how can, how can I build relationships, man? You can make yourself visible. Um, you, can, you can work camps. Uh, you can re- reach out to coaches, things of that, of that nature. And then another thing to me is uh, be willing to sacrifice. It, it's kind of what you mentioned, Mark. You know, for high school coaches in the state of Georgia, you want to get paid well, and that's a credit to uh, everything that you guys work for and put in. That's also a, a credit to the state, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm biased to the state because I'm from there, but they do a great job of paying coaches. And, you know, for me, uh, when I was at Hiram High School, you know, when I talked about trust in the process, I really truly had to trust it because I was at Hiram High School making 40000 uh, right out of college. When I took my graduate assistant job, I went from forty thousand to making nine thousand, which is a huge jump, uh, a huge, a huge, a huge blow to me uh, financially. You know, you going from forty thousand to nine thousand, and then let's let's fast forward. Let's fast forward to three years later, okay? Because I made nine thousand for three years, okay? And then and then I, I go to my first job, and I think that uh, you know, people's uh, perception on it. Is it's not always uh, true, you know. I, when I got the permit, I was making thirty thousand. So here I am, uh, a full-time college coach, as you mentioned, Mark, and, and I'm making thirty thousand. So I'm making ten thousand less than I made when I was at Hiram. So if you start doing the math, if I stay making my forty thousand, if I never went to nine thousand, if I didn't go to thirty thousand, because if I stayed at Hiram, man, I would be, I would, I would have more money than I had. But the first thing I said was what? You got to trust the process. So I continue to work. I continue to put in the time. I continue to try to develop myself. Um, and then, you know, then uh, with, with God and, and just being a believer and, and trusting myself and trusting that if I, if I put in the work where I am, then people will start seeing the work. People will start uh, identifying me as, as, a, as a good recruiter, as, as a good developer of men, as a good coach then, you know, I'll be afforded some opportunities. And, you know, I just trusted that. And, and, you know, now making a substantial amount of money doing the same thing I was doing when I was making 9000 doing the same thing I was doing when I was making 30000 But it came down to the three things I mentioned. You know, you got to trust the process. You know, it's all about relationships. And then you got to be willing to sacrifice. Yeah, definitely. The, the sacrifice is definitely the, the big thing, man. You got to be willing to, to sacrifice. And like you said, uh as coaches you know we preach different things to our players you know we we don't we don't sometimes sit back to realize that those same things that we preach to them uh we have to follow those same guidelines in our own playing playing and coaching career uh you know correct uh, 
like I said, I, I had the privilege of playing with you in, in high school. Uh, and both of us had the opportunity to go on and play college football on full scholarships. Uh, you at Vanderbilt, uh, me at Georgia Southern. Uh, but college recruiting has definitely changed over the years since we were kids. You know, in, in your opinion, how has college recruiting changed from when you came out of high school uh, to now? Man, if I if I could define it in one word, I would just say drastically. All right, and then I'll and I'll just before like it's crazy. So the number one thing I would say that uh, you and I didn't have is the technology. All right, so if you, if you if you think about the technology that we have now, okay, because when I was in high school. And, and and I'm pretty sure you didn't either. I didn't have a cell phone, okay. I didn't nope, have so did. I didn't I did, didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a huddle tape with with all my highlights. I didn't have social media. I didn't have Twitter. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't I didn't have Snapchat. I did. There was no ranking of stars. Like I, I, what star would I have been? I I don't know. You know, there was no personal trainers. There was no seven on seven. Man, I could go on and on about how recruiting has changed. I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable to the point where when you and I were being recruited, I mean, you actually had to physically be in the house to receive a phone call from a coach. Like, <laughs> to the point where, to the point where, like, I knew I better be in, inside by 7. Like, I can be outside if I want to, but I'm going to miss a recruiting call if I'm not in the house by 7 to hear the house phone ring. And, uh, and, and going back to the huddle deal, I mean, think Jimmy Dorsey, other coaches on that staff, they had to send out a VHS for us to get recruited to see our film. And it wasn't a highlight. It was game tape, okay, which people still put a premium on. But, you know, you had to send a VHS out. It had to be game tape. But the other thing that, you know, resonated, uh, resonated with me when I was talking to a coach a while back, a college coach had to physically drive to your school to even know about you. There was no recruiting database. There was nothing to say, hey, Mark Myers, Norval McKenzie, whomever, are all at McEachern High School. You know, coaches had to get on the phone. Coaches had to have a coach call them back. They had to do their due diligence and their research just to find out about about a guy. So, man, to answer your original question about how it's changed, I mean, it's it's night and day, Mark. It's just completely night and day in, in just 20 years or 21 years uh, moving forward. And, and the reason why I asked that question, because I wanted you you know, I, I wanted you to explain that so parents, you know, or people who are listening to the podcast can really see that, you know, today they have so many resources at their hands, you know, to, to, to get recruited. And, um, you know, you'll probably talk about it in one of my later questions, uh, maybe even my next question. But like even, you know, you know, they got camps and stuff. You know, we, we didn't have we didn't have no camps to go to. We couldn't I couldn't go to a football camp at the University of Louisville and sit right in front of Coach McKenzie and have him evaluate me. You know, we didn't have those things. So uh, they have so many resources, which, you know, kind of leads me into into my next question. You know, for the parents and players out there, they have a lot of beliefs on how the process of getting a scholarship is done. Uh, there are a lot of myths out there that are not necessarily true. One uh, that me and other guys talk about a lot is that, you know, parents believe their high school coach can get them a scholarship, which is not true. You know, we obviously have ways that we can help, but we can't guarantee any of our athletes a scholarship. Uh, you know, you don't know this, but, you know, there's been plenty of times I have used you as an example 
in my parent and player uh, recruiting meetings. And I used to tell people this all the time, was that, you know, Coach McKenzie, you know, he's a great friend of mine. I go through our whole little deal, you know, about how we know each other, our, our friendship and everything. And I try to tell him that at the end of the day, I can't bring a player to Coach McKenzie based off of our friendship and think that you're just going to get this kid a scholarship, give this kid a scholarship because you know me. And, but they really think that this is how this stuff works sometimes. And I try to tell him, like, at the end of the day, he has a boss that he has to answer to. And not only that, his boss has a boss that they have to answer to. At the end of the day, those college guys, they have a job to do. This is their livelihood. And unfortunately, their livelihood depends on bringing in good players with good character, you know, and who are going to help them win games. And so Coach McKenzie can't put his livelihood on the line just because, hey, my friend said, give him a scholarship it just doesn't work that way so uh you know kind of talk you know briefly and i know you can't talk too much about certain things but whatever you can talk about as far as the process that you go through when you are deciding to recruit a player talk about that a little bit well i think you hit i think you hit the nail on the head with everything that you said and uh you know parents that are listening to um you give them that information, just have to embrace that information because the, the, the information is very true. Um, you know, I think that, as we mentioned in the last question, the first step is, you know, all, every every college program has huddle, okay? You can type in Norval McKenzie huddle and it's going to show my highlights. And I'm just using my name as an example, okay? So that kind of gets the ball rolling. And, uh, you know, there's different criteria that, you know, coaches are going to look for, and it's different per position. But you know, the, the first step is the film, and you know, if, if you see the film and you like the film, then that's where the phone call goes in to the high school coach, and you try to start investigating uh, to try to find out more information about the kid. One thing, as you mentioned, uh, Mark, in terms of uh, character, in terms of uh, leadership, work ethic, uh, of course, grades matter. Um, so all the intangibles that come along with that film. Uh, has, has to be there because there's a, there's a check sheet, there's a checklist of things that a, a, a young man has to have in order for us to, to afford him an opportunity to play at the University of Louisville and to offer him a, a, a college uh, scholarship. Um, as you mentioned, it's, it's a huge investment. You know, um, universities, coaches aren't just going to hand out fifty, sixty thousand dollar a year scholarships to guys who are who are first off those that have the ability to, to do what you need them to do athletically and, and, and fit whatever particular scheme that you're looking for for them to fit. And then two, if they're not meeting the, the criteria in terms of, you know, uh, academics, character and things of that nature. And and just for the parents and, 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 the, and the young man who may listen to this too, you know, it kind of goes, it goes beyond, it goes beyond the high school coach at times, man. I've been at a school where, I'll ask a random person in the school, what do they think about that that particular person? Or, you know, when I'm getting the transcripts uh, at, the, at the, uh, the counselor's office, I'm asking the counselors, you know, what's his reputation? So, you know, with, with the money that's invested in these guys, uh, we have to do our research. And, you know, we pride ourselves at the University of Louisville of doing a thorough, you know, investigation of everybody that we want to bring in uh, to be a part of our program, um, to be a part of, part of our culture. And, there's been a lot of good players out there that we have not offered because of the A, B, C, or D. 
or maybe they're just not a good fit. There, there are guys who, who tape are, are really good, but may not be just a fit for what we're looking for at that particular time. And sometimes market goes down to numbers. You know, I saw a lot of great running backs in the 2020 class, but, you know, I have a, I have tw- five to six running backs in my room right now, so I didn't take one. And sometimes parents can't grasp that concept of, you know, I don't understand he's good enough. Why can't you offer him? Well, you know, NCAA allows us to have 85, uh, scholarships at our level and you know we have a board and sometimes uh, we want we want so many linemen so many quarterbacks so many running backs and, and then you can't offer a kid so man there's a lot of variables um, that play a role in uh, how a kid can get offered yeah and, and um, you know I'm, I'm glad you you know able to talk about that you know a little bit so that uh, you know people can really understand you know a little bit about how that process goes so, you know, my next question is, you know, say like you, if, if you are talking to a parent who, who wants to know uh, what can they do as a parent to kind of help their kid get ready, you know, or kind of, you know, get ready to be recruited or put themselves in just a position to be recruited. You kind of already talked a little bit about it, but maybe something else that you may have left out that you would like for that parent to know or do man to be honest with you i would say the parent needs to be the parent and, and what, what i mean by that is you know the parent needs to try to instill into, into their uh kid uh to their young man or daughter uh, great work ethic uh try to instill into them respect you know be a yes sir no sir type of person um make sure they uh stay on them academically uh with their grades uh not just being you know, bare minimum NCAA qualifier, but actually, you know, telling their their kids about their grades. And, you know, the, the thing that's crazy about the parents is, uh, you know, I think sometimes they can be overbearing. Uh, and, and if you get that parent who sends out a million emails, sends out a lot of texts, calling you every time, I mean, it kind of goes overboard. And and I've been around some staff who's like, man, that parent is crazy. We if we recruit this kid or we sign this kid, then we sign this parent as well. And the parent is lunatic. Why, why would we put ourselves in that role? So sometimes uh, the parent just got to kind of trust the process again, uh, do do whatever they can for their kids from a resource standpoint, but also know that that kid's going to get recruited based off that film. That kid's going to be recruited based off uh, high school uh, coach recommendations or some other uh, people in the community recommendations. And I think you mentioned something about camp earlier, Mark. One one thing about camp, because I didn't get a chance to touch on that in the recruiting process is, you know, uh, and you and I have had this conversation too, where, you know, coaches want a kid to come to camp. So for a parent, to me, be a a realistic parent. Uh, You know, like if, if, if little Johnny is six feet, 245, but he goes to five SEC schools to play offensive tackle, then you've done your kid a disservice. Uh, you, you, he's not going to be a power five offensive tackle at six feet, 245. Um, when I'm recruiting, what I tell these guys is this. I say, hey, man, you, you know, be realistic with yourself, okay? If, if, you have, if, you, if your dream school is the University of Louisville, man, you need to come to camp. Let's say your dream school is the University of Georgia, right there in Georgia. Hey, go to their camp, okay? But, but this is the thing I would tell you. Be realistic. Don't go to five. If you pick five camps, if you want to go to five, you know, and, and if your high school coach is okay with that, so you're not burnt out. But I would pick a school that's my dream school. And then if I don't have any offers by that summer, 
Okay, then I would start picking some group of five to maybe go to one group of five uh, camp, go to one FDS camp, and then, hey, don't be too proud to go to a D2 camp. You know, put yourself out there to say, hey, maybe I'll fall at any one of these levels. But it, uh, to me, it would make no sense to go to five power five camp if you already don't have an offer or you don't have the dimensions that everybody's looking for. And sometimes it's hard to embrace. There's always those success story of a, of a, t- a smaller guy who, who's able to excel at this particular level. But for me, I think as a parent, you got to put your kid in the best place or in the best situation possible for them to thrive and be successful. So why not, you know, be open-minded about the process? Definitely. I, I'm glad, you, you know, you talked a little bit about a lot of the stuff I kind of wanted you to, to talk about. Uh, you know, we're, we're running out of time here, but I got one more question I'm, I want to squeeze in real quick. Uh, okay. Although I have been coaching for a while, uh, I don't claim to know know it all uh, or have all the answers. Uh, I remember Coach Jeff Heron, who who me and you we both know, you know Coach Jeff Heron, who is who is now an an assistant at uh, assistant coach at Tennessee Tech. Uh, we both know him through through his time at McEachin High School and winning championships as a high school head coach at places like Camden and uh, Coney County. Uh, he gave me a piece of advice when I first got into coaching. He said, uh, and he said this, I, you probably remember this, Coach. We used to go to those wing T camps back in the days and the mm-hmm. defensive camps at West Georgia. This was our very first defensive camp at West Georgia when me and you both was at Hiram. He said, right. he said to me, the day that you think you know everything there is to know about this game, then that will be the day that you probably won't win many more games. And it made a lot of sense to me. It, it really did. It made a lot more sense to me that, uh, you know, it taught me that there is always something to learn. So I wanted to ask you, is there anything that high school coaches can do or do better that will help our players to navigate through the recruiting process a little bit better? You know, uh, I'm always trying to find different ways and different things that I can do to help my players to get in positions to be recruited but you know what advice would is there anything that you feel like we could do better um you know i think um you know from a from a high school coach perspective man and trying to get your kids recruited i would just say you know uh, do the best you can in terms of being organized and uh and, and structured you know we're not going to be uh, able to have this opportunity normally this wednesday we're able to get out on the road and go recruiting and uh, I've been to some areas, and Georgia does an unbelievable job of uh, being organized. High school coaches being organized and having the spreadsheets on Excel and putting the kids' information on there, and and the and the coaches' evaluation and projection and what he has and all that. Uh, I think that just just being organized, uh, reaching out to college coaches, whether it's a text, whether it's a phone call, whether it's an email. I think all those uh, avenues uh, help help men get recruited. And uh, I think just, you know, continue to do what you're doing. I think high school coaches have a, a special place, man, in terms of development, in terms of molding, uh, and, and doing an unbelievable job of, of taking an adolescent to a teenager to try to grow him to a man. And at the end of the day, uh, Mark, you know how it is. It's going to come down to the film. It's going to come down to uh, what coaches have to say about each individual. Uh, but I do think uh, in terms of, using resources and reaching out to college coaches and texting them and calling them uh, on that particular kid's behalf would be uh, really, really good uh, to build that relationship from high school coach to college coach. 
Well, Coach, you know that that that's our time. And uh, you know, I want to thank you once again for taking the time to come on to my podcast and uh, appreciate you. Uh, you know, I, I continue to pray for you and, and your family that you guys are being safe and, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, you guys are, you know, doing everything that you need to do to make sure that, you, you know, you're taking care of yourselves. Um, okay. You know, that's a wrap for this episode of the Behind the Mark podcast. Thank you to all my listeners out there. I pray that each and every single person that is listening was able to take something from this show that will impact or change your life in some sort of way. Guys, continue to stay safe out there. Catch you guys on my next episode next week.